From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. Not that long ago, the news media generally reported that there were a couple dozen or so mass shootings every year. But more recently, they're reporting that there are hundreds a year. What changed? Where is the media getting these outrageous numbers? Who's behind the little-known organization providing them? And what are they trying to accomplish? That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Lee Williams, Chief Editor of the Second Amendment Foundation's Investigative Journalism Project. Hi, Lee. Welcome to the podcast. It is always great to be with you, Dean. Happy to be here. Well, Lee... I don't know if you've ever watched the Walking Dead TV series. Is that something you've ever seen? I have. I haven't seen the last couple of seasons, but I'm familiar with most of them. So I started watching back in 2010 when it came out and, you know, kind of ran hot and cold. There'd be some seasons I would just skip because I would get a little tired of it. But I subscribed to Netflix recently, and they have the first 10 seasons. So I've been binge-watching those and, you know, some of the original ones were, were pretty good. But I find myself, like a lot of gun guys, you know, yelling at the TV because of all the inaccurate gun stuff, right? Yeah. So, the, you know, they're shooting without aiming. They talk about safeties on Glocks. Of course, yep. every rifle is full auto. So, you know, I'm rolling my eyes. And But, but um, what I'm thinking, Lee, is, wow, you know, some people learn from the media by watching stuff like that. I know the difference because, like you, I'm a gun guy, but a lot of people aren't. Clearly, the writers are not, and the public becomes ill-informed. And it's not just TV shows and movies, but it involves the news media as well. And what I've been noticing, even before you started reporting on this, is the statistics in the media seem to have really taken a, a radical change. I've noticed in, in the past few years and you've reported on this outfit called the Gun Violence Archive, which more and more is becoming the news media's source for gun-related crime data. And you've been drilling down in these various articles you've been writing about who they are and, and what they're up to. Basically, if I'm just going to be blunt, the Gun Violence Archive appears to be just a big scam selling themselves as a data source. Can you just describe the GVA, and what they really are. That's a great way to place, to, to put it. I also call them the nursery of fake news because that is where fake news is born and then it goes out and gets picked up by CNN, MSLSD, the, all the rest of them. On its face, Gun Violence Archive is, is pretty benign, actually. Um, they say that they're a nonprofit. They have one donor. Uh, he's in his 80s, and they're looking to try and replace him because he could go at any time. Um, they have a handful of employees who are all working remotely. 
And they say that they're dedicated to tracking the number of mass shootings. Um, I know they receive $500,000 a year from their donor, and that seems to keep them, them operating. I can't really see how they would have too many expenses because, like I said, they're all working remotely. I know they have one CEO, the one guy. Uh, he's their executive vice president. Mark Bryant seems to be the face of the gun violence archive. So I don't know how much money he's taking in from uh, their donor. Um, but it's it is all a scam. Now, there's if if I had to sum it up quickly and succinctly, let me just say this. In 2019. OK, they say the gun violence archive says there were four hundred and seventeen mass shootings. The FBI says there were 30. Okay, FBI 30, gun violence archive 417. The difference lies in their definition. Uh, I love FBI's uh, definition of of a mass shooting because it defines one as a shooting in a public place or shootings that occur at more than one location where the shooter's actions were not the result of another criminal act. Okay, so it's not like in response to a robbery or anything like that. The shootings result in mass killings. They're apparently spontaneous. There's some spontaneity by the shooter. And the shooter appeared to methodologically, methodologically search for each victim. And uh, he's, they're focused on injuring people, not buildings or, or objects. What the FBI rules out are shootings that are the result of self-defense, gang violence, which are most of the shootings out there, drug violence, uh, those contained uh, in, a, in a residence are happening as a result of a domestic dispute, uh, barricade hostage situations, or crossfire from another shooting, or an action that appeared not to have put people in peril, some type of you know, spontaneous act. On the other hand, by comparison, the Gun Violence Archive or GVA, they don't exclude anything. Even if the shooting is gang or drug related, as are most of them, um, they count it. And uh, the sources that they use to get their stats are are also where they fall down. They're using police reports, uh, which have some value, but they're also using police social media. They're using media accounts, too. They're they're using uh, reports from local TV, from local newspapers. Which, when you have a mass a mass murder, you know there's nothing that's more inaccurate at the time than the initial res- initial accounts coming out from the media, especially when you start talking cable TV. Well, and what the, what they'll say, and what I've heard, because there was a story in CNN recently which quoted them and talked about them, was that. Uh, you know, the, the, this data from the FBI just doesn't come out quick enough. You know, it can be generally takes them maybe a couple of years to come out with their final data because they're getting it from law enforcement, from official sources. But that's not fast enough, I guess, for some people. They, they want this immediate hit and want to be able to report on it. But you and I have seen not just with shootings, but with just media in general, the, the first reports that come out are always inaccurate. But... These guys at the uh, GVA, the Gun Violence Archive, they're collecting that, putting it right into their database immediately. And so they're, yeah, they're, not, they're, they not, they're, they're not worried about accuracy, in other words. Just like the rest of media today, it's all about speed. Let's get it out quick rather than let's make sure it's accurate. That's exactly it. And the, the thing is that, that pisses me off most about the GVA is they know that their numbers are being misinterpreted and misused. 
for sensational headlines by the journalist. When I interviewed Brian, he said he believes that his numbers are fair. And I'm quoting him now. I asked him that. And he said, I do. But I think it's also up to the journalist and the reader to have a better understanding of what the data says. When a journalist uses the mass shooting numbers as their lead, they're not looking at the whole situation. That's disingenuous as hell, Dean. They know damn well their stuff is being misused. They know that the New York Times and USA Today and NPR and all those cr crappy outlets want 400 as opposed to 30, and that they're literally cutting and pasting these numbers into their stories. And Brian said that if you know he, if you think that the numbers are misleading, maybe the journalists didn't do their homework. Well, these are kids anyway, and they're providing fake news, and the 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 national media is lapping it up. Well, but this is the way the media works. So, I mean, I know that you have a media background. I actually started in radio and TV. I have a, a radio background, a TV background. I've, I know people who are in the media. And from what I've learned from my experiences, not only does the media like sensational headlines, but they like stock narratives. In other words, they, they like to report things and classify things with a, with a formulaic kind of storyline and if you package information in a quick and easy way, they're going to report it. And they they know, the GVA knows that's what they're doing because they are, in fact, packaging the information exactly like that. I, I can't believe them where when they're saying that, well, it's, it's their fault if they're misreporting that because they know how the FBI is doing it. In fact, I read one article where this whole thing started with Slate Magazine, didn't it? Where, yeah. where they were saying, well, you know, we don't like it that these numbers seem so low. We think that there's a lot more going on out there. So they were making an effort to collect all this information from an advocate's standpoint. They were advocating for, you know, stricter gun laws. So they wanted to pump up the numbers. And that's where this all began. Well, I think it is pretty telling because we've been banging the, G the GVA gong now for more than a year. We outed the fact that they were creating this crap in last July. And just recently, CNN had to do a piece defending GVA, defending them as their source for this fake news. And they even singled out our criticism. Uh, they said, quote, when most Americans hear the term mass shooting, they picture a crazed gunman stalking the halls of a school or shopping mall coldly and randomly. Not what the GV, not what we wrote. CNN is quoting from the Second Amendment Foundation story where we outed them because they don't want any, CNN doesn't want anything to impact or hurt or harm or affect their source of these damn headlines. And, you know, I've always said, and I know you believe the same thing, you have to be a smart news consumer nowadays. And if you're listening to anything or reading anything and you see those words, according to the Gun Violence Archive, that's black and white, crystal clear. You are watching fake news. But as you say, it's disingenuous. It's not like that they uh, don't understand this. This uh, What's his name? Mark Bryant? Yeah. It's not like he he's not going to understand that data is being misinterpreted because I think I read in one of the stories that he was, you know, looking at the kind of success they were getting and, you know, getting quoted for these mass shootings. And he was very happy about that. So he was perfectly aware that, wow, the, you know, these group, these big numbers are getting reported a lot more than the FBI's data. And that basically keeps him in business, right? I mean, there, there's, because this is, this is, let's talk about Mark Bryant for a second. This is a guy 
who had a uh, career. He was he was what like a computer analyst, a data analyst. He got yeah. he he got into some medical problems. He was in the hospital, and he was looking for another career. And so all of this is about him having a gig. He's paid as an independent contractor, and because he's been so successful in getting this information out there, he has a vested interest in not being too clear, right? How do you pull back from 400, 500, 600 mass shootings a year to report that, well, that maybe there are 20 or 30, really, because that would put him out of business and that would eliminate his paycheck, right? Right, exactly. And, you know, he he tries to come across as being pro-gun. He, he was telling me this drivel when I interviewed him. He had three Colt Pythons, he claimed, which he said he sold to raise startup capital for a nonprofit. First of all, no gun guy is going to sell three Colt Pythons. I certainly wouldn't. I'd like to have three. But then, you know, if you look beyond what he's telling you and you look at some of the writings he's he's made in the past, uh, I mean, he has written about the need for stronger gun laws, more gun control. He's backed um, extended background checks, universal background checks. He's come out against uh, uh, modern sporting rifles. Um, he's he is as anti-gun as it gets, and and he's leading this this project. And so, you know, as an anti-gunner, he's got to be happier than hell. I'm sure the checks are rolling in because, like you said, he's he's not paying his people much. They're they're just working part time. Um, I, I don't trust the guy. I think he's an abomination. The fact that anybody would would use this data in a news story, uh, it, it just makes me crazy because I've always always been about one thing: accuracy. I mean, uh, you, you know well too that if you screw up a story, you should go in and correct it, and you should let your readers, or your viewers know. By that by that token. Everybody who's ever cited GVA in a story, and there have been dozens, if not hundreds and hundreds of stories citing GVA data, they should go back and correct all of those because they're wrong. They're completely completely inaccurate. So you talked to Mark Bryant. You said that you interviewed him. Do you think he's one of these false flag kind of guys where he's saying he's a gun guy and he isn't really, or is he just what a lot of people call a FUD? You know, he's, you know, like Elmer Fudd. He, he has his guns but he doesn't want other people to have theirs. You know, when we were working on constitutional carry, we got some contacts from instructors and gun owners who didn't support that. Right. And so they're out there, you know, what they call FUDs, which is that, you know, they just, they, they're not fully on board with the Second Amendment. So is, is he lying? Is he just an anti-gun guy who's pretending? Because we've seen a lot of that. Yeah. Or or is he I, just is he really a gun guy who just doesn't like other people having guns? He's not a gun guy. No doubt in my mind he's not a gun guy. I doubt he ever had any firearms, much less three Colt Pythons. Uh he's found his niche and this is how he's making his bank and how he's putting groceries on the table. There's no way he's a gun guy. He's not even a fun, okay? I'm very familiar with the term too. I've dealt with more than a few. This is an anti. Uh, this is a staunch anti-gunner who I'm sure would be happy to take money from every town and Bloomberg and Soros and the rest of that ilk. So is that is that what he's doing now? Because you were reporting that, you know, this this uh, uh, guy who's funding him. And let's talk about him a little bit, Michael Klein, and apparently he's the one who's you know written the checks and is their primary like 95 percent of their funding has come from this one guy. You know, what's this guy about, Michael Klein? Who is he and what's his uh, motive? 
he's very quiet. Um, he has a foundation. He provides 95% of GBA's funding. Uh, that we, we found that in 2017 and 2018 when we went through their IRS 990s. He did pretty well in business. Um, he just funds these left-wing groups. Uh, I know he's given money to the Joyce Foundation and they're anti-gun. They're up in the Great Lakes area. They're, they're you know, they want federal, state, and local policies and practices changed. They want anti more anti-gun policies put in. So I, although I've never got a chance to interview him, um, you know damn well he's anti-gun just based on where he's given his money. Um, now, Bryant claimed that he, he doesn't take any money from any of the big names. But like I said, he's taken it some from the Joyce Foundation and he's taken it from this guy and Klein is anti-gun too. But I don't know. I don't have any way of proving if he's getting money from Giffords or every town or Bloomberg or any of that, but it sure as hell wouldn't surprise me because they use his data too. Now, is this a, a C3 organization or a C4? Have you looked at their C3. IRS reports? So it's, yeah, so it's 501 C3. Okay, so so you could theoretically look at their uh, 990s. And, and I have. And, and, and what, what does that reveal? Uh, they're not very big. I mean, they don't have a lot of financial resources, and I think they're working out of Bryant. They might have a little storefront, but uh, their funding has always hovered around a half mil. But getting back to what you said, they're worried that their donor, and he's pretty much their sole donor, could, you know, pass away. That's also the purpose behind that CNN story. I think CNN wanted to gin up more, more financial support for him. But let's say that Klein does die. There's no doubt in my mind that Bloomberg or Gabby and all the rest of them wouldn't wouldn't contribute funds to keep them going. Because quite frankly, uh, look at I mean, Bloomberg's got more money than God. And even Gabby, you know, she's worth millions too. 500 grand to keep their font of fake news going. Uh, I'd see, I, I think any one of them would contribute. So if he goes, I don't think they're going to, I doubt GBA would ever go uh, bankrupt or, or be put out of business. There's, there's some anti-gun group out there would keep them going. And that's the scary part. Well, do you think it would come directly from somebody like that? Or because, you know, the way this usually happens is that people, you know, people who are very well healed, they will donate to organizations and those organizations will donate to other people. So you sort of flow that money through other foundations and other C3s or C4s and then it filters down to what it is you're actually wanting to fund. Because I got the impression that this Mark Bryant, the uh, executive director uh, or whatever his title is with this organization, with the Gun Violence Archive, that he wants to maintain the veneer of respectability so he doesn't want to take advocates' money. But he would be if he were taking it directly from every town. Yeah, I'm sure they would find some, some way to filter more money to him. But just to keep him going, yeah, that whole thing's a facade. He is an anti-gun activist. And I got to tell you, when you look at the rest of them out there, I mean, we all knew Chipman was an anti-gun activist, but Chipman's nothing compared to what this guy has done and the damage that Mark Bryant and GBA continue to do to the Second Amendment community. Because they're using, the anti-gunners are using his data as an example to show why your rights and my rights should be infringed upon. I mean, that's the ultimate horror story of the GVA. They're providing the ammunition for the anti-gunners to, to tell lawmakers why we need further infringements. 
So some of the statistics they're reporting in one of your stories from 2021, and I think you wrote this in November, so the, the actual numbers would be higher. You were saying at that time they were reporting 641 mass shootings, which would be more than two per day. And so far in this year, from an article just a few days ago, they're reporting 277 mass shootings, which uh, strains credibility because, wow, 277 so far this year, uh, how would the media report on anything else? This would be yeah. like one, two, or three mass shootings a day. Yeah, that your, your CNN, your MSDNC, all they would be doing would be running from one mass shooting to another all day long if this were actually true, but it's not. I mean, you know, as well as I do, where the crime happens in your community and who's perpetrating it and who's doing it in Chicago, who's doing it in Detroit, who's doing it in L.A., who's doing it in New York. It's gangs and it's all about drugs. It's it's all these these drug dealers. Um, but and they should not be counted as a mass shooting, because like we said, if you say mass shooting or mass murder to one of your listeners, they're going to picture the lone gunman. Maybe he's got a maybe he's got another guy. You know, they're walking through a hallway of a shopping mall or a school shooting people randomly. That's what most Americans picture as a mass shooting. And that constitutes about 1% of the data that these guys are trying to pass off. I mean, two mass shootings a day, come on. So let's say that four guys break into my house right now. So I take off my headphones, I grab my gun, run downstairs, I shoot them, and all four get shot. That's going to re be reported by the Gun Violence Archive as a mass shooting. Yes. And even more ridiculous, the guy who, who loses his mind, who shoots and shoots his family members, that's a mass shooting, too, by their definition, as long as three people are shot or four people are shot, rather. So let's look at some different scenarios. Let's say there are two guys in the subway. They get into an argument. They start shooting at each other and four people get hit. And they're all just basically ouchies, right? Someone, their shoulder is grazed, somebody else, maybe, you know, the tip of their finger gets shot, whatever. Nobody dies. Nobody is seriously harmed. That's a mass shooting. Mass shooting, yeah, absolutely. As long as there are absolutely. four. As long as there are four. Four people hit, doesn't have, don't have to be killed, just grazed or wounded. It's a mass shooting according to the GVA. Now, how does the FBI officially define mass shooting as opposed to, because the GVA is just including everybody, no matter what the circumstances are. What about the FBI? They have a great definition. Again, public place, maybe more than one location. Uh, shooters acts were, actions were not the result of another crime. It wasn't like a strong arm. It wasn't like an armed robbery or bank robbery gone bad. Uh, it has to be mass death, mass killings. Um, spontane spontaneity by the shooter and it cannot be and this is where the fbi really i thought did this well can't be self-defense can't be gang violence can't be drug violence can't be uh domestic uh, violence related can't be a barricaded hostage situation can't be hit by crossfire as a byproduct of another event and it can't be the result of you know a, a reckless act so you use their definition and that's a good one. They worked on it quite a while. You're going to come, you're going to, what's left are going to be what 99.9% .9 of Americans believe when they hear the term mass shooting. It's a good definition. 
And the definitions are important because, again, you and I deal with words. The media mm-hmm. deals with words. Certainly the, the GVA deals with words. They know what they're doing. They're, they are actively changing the definition in order to change people's perception, right? That this is Correct. this is not just a technical dispute by statisticians or data experts. This is advocacy. They're, yes. they're, they're not happy that there are only 30, 35, whatever mass shootings a year in reality. That's not enough. People apparently aren't getting upset enough by that. So they decided, let's just change the definition, and therefore they're going to be bigger numbers. Yeah, 100%, Dean. And, and the worst part of it is, like I said, they're using these numbers and as as a means to justify why our why our rights need to be infringed upon. Why we shouldn't have standard capacity mags. Why we shouldn't be able to buy the best tools to defend ourselves in our home. Why we shouldn't be able to have handguns that hold more than ten rounds. That's the danger of this group. You, you nailed it on the head. This is not a this is not a esoteric kind of de- debate between who's got the better formula. Okay. This thing has been carefully designed to to fight against and to, to go to war against the Second Amendment. These guys are providing the ammunition for the people that want to see our rights stripped away from us. And that's what people need to take away from this conversation. So this would be like, let's say I'm an anti-hunting advocate, and I write a report that, you know, in Ohio over the weekend, 400 deer were slaughtered. Uh, yeah. Not, not taken, not bagged, not not re- not, not, re- not harvested, reported, whatever, but slaughtered. So there, there's you know the denotation and connotation of every word, and what I'd be working with there is the connotation. What is that? Well, it makes it sound like guys were going out and just randomly killing every deer just because they hated them, right? It's a yeah. slaughter. It's not hunting. So words matter. And these guys are playing with words on purpose to change the, the definition of this. But I, I want to talk a little m- bit more about how they're collecting this data. You're saying it's from social media, uh, like Twitter, Facebook. They're, yes. go- they're going into media reports. I mean, how exactly are they do- are they are they relying on any verified sources, or are they just going out and looking at whatever stories they can find, and, and including that as data? Again, speed being of their essence, they want what's quick. And you know, law enforcement reports take time. Okay, if you're if you have a, a shooting where there's multiple victims, that report is not going to be ready in 15 minutes like these guys want. So they're going to grab social media from law enforcement agencies. They're going to grab social media from from local TV, from local newspapers. They're going to take stuff off cable from cable news, they're going to run with the most inaccurate reports and they're going to, and they don't correct it. And therein lies the problem. Yeah. Though they, they say they do. I've, I've asked them for examples of when did you have, when have you ever corrected anything? And he, he couldn't furnish any, but what I wanted, what I want your listeners and your viewers to know, when you hear those words, according to the gun violence archive, that's when you need to pop into action. You need to call up your local TV station. You need to call up your local newspaper. Hell, if it's CNN or MSLSD, call them. You need to tell them that you do not appreciate. You need to object. I don't appreciate the fake news that you're you're promulgating out there because it shows exactly where you're coming from politically. 
and, and they need to object and they need to be vocal. They need to be loud about it. They should object every time they hear according to the gun violence archive. That's the only way to get this crap shut down. And uh, didn't Mark Bryant admit, I mean, he uh, talked in one story I read about a shooting in Cincinnati here in Ohio. And he said, look, there were several different versions of that event. They said they looked at five different media sources and they were, in his words, all over the map, even about where and when it occurred. And they say that uh, we know that some media reports are erroneous. So they're admitting that their data sources are not reliable. They're not verified. They're just going and looking at a Twitter account. They're looking at a Facebook page. They're looking at, you know, what what they, and and they're scraping it, right? Which is, in other words, they they have a, a way of reaching out with their computers and just grabbing the data and then it's populating their database, and then they go back and look at it and, I guess, organize it. But, you know, scraping is something that scammers do. You know, yeah. that, that's how you get, like, email addresses off the Internet. You go and you scrape websites. I don't even know if they're that advanced. I think they just might have Google alerts, okay? So when they hear shootings popping up, they're, they're, they're checking them out. And, you know, having been a journalist, I can, I can tell you at most traumatic events— big picture traumatic events, you know, it, it takes hours before you can even get a good good idea about what actually happened, unless you've got somebody in the room. First thing law enforcement is going to do is cordon it off and keep everybody away, which they should do, obviously, for a lot of people's safety. So you're not going to know for quite a while what actually happened, even if you had a mass shooting. But these people are putting it out right away. It's sad. It's fake news. And they're the ones generating now, mass shootings are not the only thing they report. They have other categories that they're yeah. reporting on on gun-related issues. What else do they report on? They say they report uh, defensive gun uses. And uh, I'll, I'll be brutally honest with you. That's going to be a part of an upcoming story of ours that we're looking at. But they have you know shootings by civilians, shootings by law enforcement. Uh, I think it's all uh, gigo, though, you know, garbage in, garbage out. I don't see anybody in the, especially in the media, using any of their other data, except for the mass shooting, because that's the one that uh, that's their focus and that's the most sensational. I have never seen anybody say, according to the Gun Violence Archive, for you know defensive gun uses for civilians or anything like that. Um, I I I, sh- I wouldn't trust any of it, but uh, yeah, we're going to be taking a look at, uh, let's just call it Gun Violence Archive Part Two. So the mass shooting data—that's kind of their—that's uh, that's, that's that's where the money is, right? That that's yeah. their cash cow. Yeah, that's that's what gets the everyone's attention, and that that's what gets their name used in newspapers and on cable TV. So I, did, I will say this: I did see USA Today, uh, which is owned by Gannett. They did a, a shooting data project in 2012. They just redid it and uh, released it to little fanfare. Nobody really noticed it. But they spelled out in that story uh, their definition, which they admitted was not as liberal as the GVAs. So uh, people in the media are taking notice. However, they're still, I banged the hell out of Gannett for using that data for a couple of years now. Um, but I, I, they're still using it. Most most organizations are still using GVA data. So, I mean, this this almost prompts me to want to send out a report 
to our media database because we, when we send out a press release, it goes to maybe 500 different outlets. And what good do you think that would do if you would just send out some just really good data on what they're doing and how they're redefining it and bringing it to people's attention? How cynical are you about the media? Are, are they? Are, do you believe that the media is using this because they know it's inaccurate or are they using it because it's packaged in a way that makes it easy for them to use? At the national level, in my humble opinion, there's no doubt they're using it and they know it's inaccurate and they don't care because it fits their political, it fits their politics. Okay. It, it fits what every one of them believes. Now at the local level, you're going to, I mean, I was local level. Okay. And I, and I'm not exactly anti-gun, never really have been. But at the local level, you're going to find more honest editors and producers who are not going to want to put out that to their people that this data is bad, that in fact, they're, they're promulgating fake news. So I think that could have a tremendous impact if you do that. Uh, I, th- I think it's the right thing to do also. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe this would be part of what you're doing. You, you know, you're saying you're contacting some of these media folks and telling them about this. Wouldn't it be great if you put out a data sheet that just spelled out what they're doing, and then organizations like ours could feed it out to our media context. We've spent years building relationships with various media organizations. I think that we have a pretty good relationship with a lot of the people we talk to, and I think it would do some good for us to put out something like that and just say, I look, do too. Just, just look, here's, here's this source, here's what they're doing, Here's why it's inaccurate, you know, compared to the FBI and, and so on. And just make them think twice about using that as a source. I think that's a fantastic idea. Well, if you put it together, I guarantee I'll send it out. <laughs> okay. Challenge <laughs> so, accepted, sir. So, so that's, uh, that's on your to-do list, Lee. Okay. Well, Lee, uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Where can people read your original reporting? Uh, a couple of places. Uh, I have a Substack account, The Gunwriter, thegunwriter.substack.com. I have a, a, a website that I work with, armedamericannews.org. That'll get you pretty much everything. Oh, I should point out, we resurrected a podcast. A good friend of mine, Bob Keller, and I used to have a podcast called Think Aim Fire. Uh, that is now every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern on Lock and Load Radio, which is hosted by Bill Frady. So if you want to hear uh, stunning our podcast again, uh, you can catch that every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Although we are now subject to the FCC rules when it comes to words that we can and cannot say. So it's not as fun and ribald and crazy as the old podcast. So is this going to be a standalone podcast at some point or, or just a segment on another show? It's a, we, Bill has two hours per day, and he gives us an hour every uh, Wednesday to talk about guns. Bob's a good friend and a uh, hell of a veteran. He was in uh, the Army's most elite special missions unit for the last 17 years of his career. And he's the best firearms trainer I know. We talk about all things tactical and stuff like that. Well, Lee, thanks again for being on the podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Dean. Always a pleasure. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to joinbfa.org. Use the discount code PODCAST 
to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.